welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And while Godzilla and Kong are duking it out in theaters and on HBO Max, we decided to hop on over to another streaming platform and watch this movie where a, a, a giant animal fights with his own shattered past in mm, the mm. 1998 movie Mighty Joe Young. And I think it's also Earth Day. I mean, not Earth Day, Earth Month, uh, mm. according to Disney. Um, yeah, Earth Day is like later in the month. But I think we we expanded it to, I mean, isn't kind of everyday Earth Day if you live yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it is. So Earth, nature. <laughs> Happy Earth. Happy nature. Uh, so this movie, my goodness. Uh, there, there's a lot to talk about, but largely on the thing that I didn't know about Mighty Joe Young. Uh, I never saw this movie. I saw this promoted on a lot of uh, Disney home video uh, movies and shows that I watched as a kid. But Mighty Joe Young, the 1998 film, is a remake. Yeah. Sorry, Ricky. I'm going to pause real quick because it – I. Don't have confidence that this is recording. That's why it threw me okay. off. All right. Uh, I guess I have. To, I think I have to go into the ATEM software for that. Sorry. Sorry for the edit. And we're back. A, yeah, oh, a remake. I was yeah. very surprised by that, too. I, I feel like I typically only learn about the remakes when I'm trying to type it into IMDb <laughs> and I get like five options. I'm like, oh, interesting. But yeah, 1949 was the original Mighty Joe Young. And they're credited as yep. this being an adaptation in the credits of the 1998 version that yeah. we watched. Yeah, and the 1949 version uh, was made by the same studio that made King Kong in 1933. Uh, oh. And so um, that movie, I'll just kind of break down for you some of the differences of the original uh, Mighty Joe Young. So for the 1949 film, Maya Jo Young tells the story of a young woman, Jill Young, living on her father's ranch in Africa, who has raised the title character, uh, a large gorilla from an infant, and years later brings him to Hollywood, seeking her fortune in order to save the family homestead. Uh, so uh, though the characters are the same, the motivations are a little bit different. Whereas in the 1998 film, uh, it is about a giant mountain gorilla brought to a wildlife preserve in Los Angeles by a young woman who raised him uh, to protect him from the threat of poachers until one seeks Joe out in order to take his revenge. So different, uh, different little motivations, a little bit more oh. heart in the 98 film. But I had no idea that it was a remake. Yeah. News to everyone. Okay, I hope that except the people that did the original. We knew, we knew. <laughs> Just imagine someone on set like this is a remake. Oh my gosh! Another guy on set like I've been in both of these. <laughs> How old are you? Here's the thing that happened with the uh, '40s version and this version. Uh, the '40s version was actually a commercial flop. The budget for the 1949 Mighty Joe Young had a budget of $1.8 million with a box office of one9 point No, $1.9. There was too many points in there. Uh, $1.95. <laughs> one comma. 
Uh, so what was the final number on that? This is for the 1949 Correct. version. Correct. 1949 version okay. had a budget of $1.8 million with a box office of $1.95 million or 95 Eek. It depends on what your unit of measurement is. Uh, so it it was considered a flop because it just barely made its money back. And so um, then, you know, we head over to the 1998 remake of it. Uh, and this movie faces a similar uh, struggle to its predecessor with a budget of $90 million. It went on to make $50.6 million in the box what? office. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I so the way you teed it up, I thought it was going to be like, oh, the 1949 one was a commercial flop, but this really turned things around for them. No, they they actually really lost a lot of money on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I had a question about that 49 version real quick. Was the was the gorilla huge in that though? Yes. Like if you okay, so we they bought the gorilla. Mm-hmm. But it was just abnormally large. Correct. Yeah. Kind of like a Clifford the Big Red Dog situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Okay. And uh, yeah, he's just he's just a big big gorilla. Uh, and I don't know if they explain it as concisely as they did in the 1998 version, where they're just like, oh yeah, every couple of generations you get these giant gorillas. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Oh, That's yeah. uh, pretty concise and convenient. Uh, and so um, th- a lot of the budget for this movie, the 1998 version, uh, went to making all them gorilla suits. So uh, mm. Joe was portrayed by a creature suit performer, John Alexander, who wore a radio-controlled animatronic gorilla suit created by special makeup effects artist Rick Baker. Uh, and in order to achieve those scenes, Alexander often acted on miniature sets that were surrounded by blue screen uh, and visual effects house Dream Quest images compositing him into footage that was shot beforehand. For the beginning of the movie, uh, Infant Joe was performed by Vern Troyer oh. and most of the digital Joe, uh, almost anytime Joe is climbing some kind of structure, uh, that was done by, of course, Industrial Lights and Magic. And they had three full-size animatronics for several scenes just over the course of this production. And, um, you know, one is a... One is sitting down, one is in a dead position, and one is, uh, I want to say, a quadruped, like in a... Oh, kind of leaning over, having the the knuckles on the Mm -hmm. ground, that kind of walk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And um, and it was, it it did a lot. You know how Pixar typically does those movies where they really want to challenge themselves on learning a new... Uh, texture like with Toy Story they got plastics mm-hmm. really well Monsters Inc they got fur very well it really felt like this movie was an excuse for that for them um cuz like i feel like they they got these animatronics like pretty down like i was really yeah. impressed with like the movement the like it didn't feel like an animatronic a lot of the times so i'm like that kind of really feels like like a big old, big old ape. Yeah, because that, that's the thing is it definitely does not feel CG. No. And I think watching it in 2001, if it's not CG, you start to think through, well, then how did they do it? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, it's it's the monkey suits. It's the animatronics. Uh, but the acting of it, um, 
I don't it's it's a weird kind of deal because they needed to have human empathy on the gorilla. And so some of the facial rigs especially mm-hmm. are more exaggerated than what would be realistic. Like when he's looking at the um, the kid in the Ferris wheel, right. you know, he, he looks up and there's that moment, oh, <gasps> and it's almost like Doc Brown realizing that the cable came loose. Mm-hmm. And it's like his, his jaw is just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, that noise had to be horrible for listeners, <laughs> but just imagine I made a really long surprised face. That kind of human component to it i think comes through in the performance uh which makes joe i don't know more relatable i I don't know but i was very impressed by the uh the actual movements of the gorilla and the the execution of that i think there are a couple of times where he was composited into backgrounds and that was like the most green screeny it felt in the whole thing but for 98 and you know not knowing where the technology was going they nailed the animatronics of this thing yeah and and the movie itself was is very misleading. I felt like this movie, much like Toy Story three, uh, made me feel more things than I was expecting to feel. <laughs> There's this one mm-hmm. moment in the third act of this movie where, much like Toy Story three, I thought, "Are they doing this? Are we re- are we doing this? Disney, are you really gonna do this?" And then they didn't, but they made you think they were. Uh, but th- this movie, I don't know why this was really marketed towards kids. Because, it, I mean, it has, like, yeah. a PG rating. But, like, it's... A- well, and it had special edits in Germany. Like, kids under six weren't supposed to see it and things like that. So. Yeah, and it's an almost two-hour movie. And so, I, I guess one of my biggest uh, questions for the movie is, like, who was the audience for this? Because uh, there's this one moment where um, Joe kind of goes on this rampage. Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah, different movie, different movie. Uh, and he, you basically see someone's leg get crushed um, without, mm-hmm. like, at, like the closest you can to seeing someone's leg get crushed without it having a PG-13 or a higher rating. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, this would terrify me as a child. Who is this movie for? Uh, and I just, I just, it felt like you were watching, like, oh, this is like a fun family adventure movie. And then, you know, the main antagonist is a poacher, uh, and he is uh, vocal about how much he loves capturing and killing and dissecting animals it's like hmm. he loves it can't get enough of it is that's his thing. yeah that's his art yeah. um well yeah no the marketing of it is is confusing because three years before this movie came out there's a movie that we almost reviewed to do the kong connection called congo and if you look at the poster for congo and the poster for mighty joe young uh, very similar very very similar uh congo not for kids mighty joe young probably for kids so um i think some of that probably was confusing as well um oh my gosh it's the exact same (laughs) right yeah Yeah. it's just big gorilla face except they spelled mighty joe young (laughs) c-o-n-g-o um and that was written by michael Crichton as well so it has it has that jurassic park feel to it um Whereas this has 
Jurassic Park locations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and so this is my first time watching this movie, but I was definitely expecting something completely different. Uh, I, I thought it would be more... I'll tell you what I really thought I was going to get. I thought I was going to get George of the Jungle, more or less, except instead of it being yeah. George, um, it is... Joe of the Jungle. Yeah, it's uh, it's Ape in the city. Uh, I, I, yeah, I thought it was going to be a little more McGilla Gorilla. Yeah, yeah like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Joe is trying to shop for clothes or something like i don't know i just thought it would be a little bit more cutesy a little bit more anticky but it wasn't i mean the tone was very uh serious uh and i think that they had just to borrow a scrubs analogy of what they originally planned for the show is that they were going to make a drama with comedic moments and they ultimately made a comedy with dramatic moments i feel like mighty joe young it looked like it was going to be at most a comedy with some dramatic moments but it was a drama with more dramatic moments which makes sense uh, at the time period that this is released too and this is still a problem but i remember you know mid to late 90s that poaching was really something that was brought to the forefront especially for children's programming oh yeah um, like we would have guest speakers come to our schools and talk about poaching and how horrible oh, really? it is. I mean, yeah, like that. it was a, a thing. And we'd be like, this is like what's happening with ivory. And like this was just school. We were talking about it. And so, yeah, and you saw it pop up more in pop culture, I feel like. Like with Ace Ventura, they make references to it. And this movie that is very much at the core of the villains are the poachers. They are killing for nothing. And you see some of those artifacts of like the rhino horn mm-hmm. that the guy is packaging up in their their headquarters and whatnot. Um, and it was something that was being exposed more and more at that time. And I think that also cross-sectioned with the prominence in the work of Jane Goodall working with the gorillas as well, right. who it feels like this is supposed to channel that. And so I remember growing up, I had these kids books that were all about the work of the conservation efforts specifically for gorillas too. And things like Coco's kitten, where it was a gorilla that took care of this little cat without a tail and like all that kind of stuff. And there was just a really intentional push for bringing that to the forefront. So that's why to me, when I, when I looked at this, I was like, Oh, it's earth month. This is perfect. That's exactly the kind of thing that we're trying to protect Mm -hmm. uh this movie just did it really early again it goes it goes down to the marketing of it where if if you know you're getting that and not fun monkey movie um then great you're you're locked in um but yeah if you're expecting george of the jungle yeah you're gonna get some information yeah yeah you're gonna get some information you may not be ready for but it's a very real look at the, the dangers of uh, that they live in, that these animals live in and kind of the threat that they're facing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think uh, this, I mean, you bringing up that, that conversation that was being had in that time period. And it's weird to call the nineties a uh, time period, uh, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And it's, and I also think that in the late 1900s, <laughs> the, um, Oh my gosh, that's so weird to hear. Also to say, I think that, a lot of animal-based 
um, performances were still at its high in the 90s. Like, this is when Ereba, Dunstan Checks In, and uh, the rest uh, was out there. And so I think that that was also uh, a nice intersection for this movie to be released, even though it didn't really do particularly well. Uh, now, I was very surprised to see... Uh, I mean, granted, they spent all this money on this. They wouldn't spend more money on doing all these other things. But I'm surprised that there was no video game tie-in for this movie. It, yeah, well, I guess, you know, performing how it did at the box office, you know, like, they're not quick to relive that in a different medium. Yeah, because, like, the, the Disney Interactive, uh, I remember, was a huge thing. And granted, Disney primarily did that with their properties. Like, Bugs Life is the big one, I remember. Uh, where you had mm-hmm. to go through and like find the seeds. Uh, I, I just saw that this would have been a nice, interesting, edutaining uh, piece that could, you know, just have some kind of interactive, like learn more about all of these areas that people are trying to conserve and like see how fast you can make Joe run. He's like, did you know that real gorillas can actually run this fast? Like all these other things I think that, you know, could have been a nice supplemental material if this movie made way more millions. Yeah. They're like, stop trying to teach me. <laughs> I'm trying to make Joe run. So ha- have you seen this movie before? You know what? That's the question that I keep asking <laughs> myself. Um, I want to say yes. Um, I remember very little of the plot, especially the first two acts. But when I was watching the third act, I was like, ah, this is all very familiar. Um, and not just because I used to live near Santa Monica Pier um, <laughs> or P- Palisades Ocean Park. Uh, um, Every time you see a movie, you're but, like, wait, is this deja vu or just a movie? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say I think what what makes it feel like maybe I haven't was all the actors in it that I know now but didn't know right, then. Right. Uh, I mean, it was great to see Bill Paxton mm-hmm. again. Uh, it's Bill Paxton in there, Charlize Theron. I, for me, Naveen Andrews was the big what? Yeah. Uh, which now we know him as Saeed from Lost. Yes. But this was years and years before that huge break for him. Uh, and so, Regina King. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, Regina King. I mean, like, be like, oh, Regina King, just hang on. Yeah. Hang in there. I'm just like hanging out. I'm like, um, is that Regina King? Oh, my goodness. It's like things are going to get so much better for you, Regina King. Just stick it out. Um, so I, yeah, it felt like I was watching it for the first time. Uh, one for not remembering the plot, and two for seeing the actors in a completely different light, right. rather than my kid brain of these are just the characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Watching this movie, I definitely know that I for sure, without question, saw the trailer. Uh, because mm. I remember the trailer like covering a lot of these beats, basically saying it's a giant ape in the big city. Like I just like I just remember that being the tone for it, uh, and really just expecting it to be uh, a light-hearted Jurassic Park two. Uh, it wasn't. Oh. It was not. <laughs> It was a much. It was a lighthearted. Sadder. No, it wasn't lighthearted. It really wasn't lighthearted. No, no, no. no. 
but it was a part of the Disney Family Favors DVD six pack. Uh, it was. Oh, packed- what were the other five? The other five. Flubber, 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close, George of the Jungle, huh? Oh, oh, the Parent Trap, and Inspector Gadget. So you can see why I thought this would be a different movie. Because one of these things is not like the other. No, but I feel like half of them could have been good alternate titles (laughs) if you just named them George. Or if it focused more on... um... The the mom. It was kind of a parent trap for her. She got yep. she got she got trapped <laughs> by the poachers. Yeah. 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 Poacher gadgets. Yeah. Maybe. What one thing I do appreciate about this movie is they I they for being intentionally for kids. Mm-hmm. They teed up certain moments in a way that as an adult now, you're like, oh, that seems a little heavy handed, mm-hmm. <laughs> heavy handed. <laughs> uh, but because of the Ferris wheel. Um, but at the, you know, at each of those moments, they give the audience that emotional cue of what they're trying to go for. Right. So the examples I'm thinking of is at the beginning when they're like, Joe lost his mom tonight too. Like as an adult, you're like, oh, I get it. Like they're on the same track. But as a kid, you kind of you you're learning how to get that film literacy, and it's like, oh, they're the same. They're connected, mm-hmm. and so they did a nice job at trying to figure out how to do those deep dramatic moments in a way that would also resonate for kids and not just go over their head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the parent trap. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now, and I don't want to be morbid, Grayson. Like, but oh, I, okay. I think a lot of these poachers, you know, they're like, oh, I'll bring these little, you know, these guns to try to hunt Joe. And I'm just like, listen, if you're going to try to hunt a 2,000 pound gorilla, you're going to need more than just a little pistol. You're probably going to need something like a head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> So we are not endorsing violence against animals. Uh, you can no, not at all. Donate to the it's HSPCA. A recommendation, if you would like. Um, but we're just using this largely for pun usage. Hey, Kansas the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So this, I mean, come on. There, there are two major properties that this directly ties into. Uh, Bill Paxton's character, Greg, he's collecting a bunch of animal DNA. Oh. I'm just going to throw it out there. I would like to think that Bill Paxton is in the same universe as the Planet of the Apes movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the prequel trilogy. Of rise of yeah, the, rise of yeah, rise of the of the planet of the mm-hmm, apes mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, wow, no, I like that, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I mean it's just like for, so this is a prequel to the prequel trilogy prequel to the prequel t- trilogy because we never saw the lab because he was just like yeah I'm just collecting blood samples of all these different animals I guess it was just to conserve them or like I I don't know how they're gonna study them or whatever. Uh, but I, I like to think it's that 
the other place, uh, just because I use the term animal DNA, uh, is, you know, Jurassic Park. Same world. And uh, San Francisco. That's not San Francisco. Where is that? L.A.? Hollywood. L.A. LA. Yeah. Uh, And L.A. just can't catch a break. Uh, So I'm going to put this in the same... I'm going to put it two weeks apart. I'm going to make it like a Fury's Big Week. My Joe Young <laughs> takes place two weeks before the Jurassic Park 2 fiasco where the dinosaur is just like walking all up, up and down Hollywood. That is a real rough week for the Los Angelinos. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's interesting because Rise of the Planet of the Apes is San Francisco. So it's just all up the coast there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if if Jurassic World didn't exist, um, it would be interesting to see if there was any kind of crossover. Yeah, well, Ant Man also takes place in San Francisco, so maybe PEM technology is part of what made Joe grow so big. Mm-hmm. Well, he ate his vegetables. Just <laughs> feel they felt like they had to explain that. Well, you know, every now and then the DNA skips a generation, and if they eat enough vegetables, kids, <laughs> you can be big like my. Who are you talking to, Bill? Oh, I love it, love it. Uh, my head cannon connected this to uh, the Golden Compass properties, uh, which in HBO form is His Dark Materials. Yep. And in that world, there's this concept that um, your your soul kind of lives outside of your body in the form of an animal. And so my my thought here is that this this was Charlie's Theron's what they call in in those books in the movie demons. It's called like Damon, but they pronounce demon. Um, so basically, Joe is the outside animal embodiment of her own soul, which is why they follow such a specific track um, and why it's like actually painful for them to be apart. Mm. Um, You can, you know, they, she was saying like in the cage, he will die. So if you take that of not just being like, you know, animal rights, animal cruelty practices, like all that, if it's like actually physically difficult for them to be separated, then kind of makes a little more sense that, yeah, Joe is just the manifestation of her soul. Um, and how she could find him. Like, they tracked him relatively easily, yeah. uh, which at first mm-hmm. my headcanon was going to be that the spotlight was was Godzilla's atomic breath. <laughs> but it, it turned out it was, uh, it, was, it was not that. It was just Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think the idea of that connection, I mean, it's there, like the the um, the connection between the two of them is what the whole movie is really built on. But to have that step further of like, no, it is it is like a, a soul bond, basically, that these two have. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just kind of a, a little sweet, sweet concept. I really like that. It, it almost gives me a, a gorilla's purpose kind of feel to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gorilla's purpose. I love it, but I would love to see a Golden Compass anthology series that would follow that. Which leads me right into this other thing that we like to talk about, which is called recast and remakes. Recast remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Man, 
Andy Serkis is probably just watching this movie. <laughs> and he's just like, I could have had it. I could have had it all. I could have done it. Mocap, more problems. Mocap, yep. more problems. <laughs> I'm just writing it down, filing that under merch ideas. Um, I, I really think um, I would just love to see. Uh, well, well, two versions. One, I would love to see the Golden Compass version of uh, My Joe Young, but like as an anthology series where it just follows um, different people's. I, mean, I know I'm going cross property, but different people's familiars essentially. Yeah, it's basically what it what it is. Yeah, that kind of connection that'd be awesome because if you have this team and their adversaries that have these giant animals. Uh, as as the manifestation of their powers, then yeah, you have like the core team, but then you kind of get into like a Godzilla Kong, like the reason we did this. Mm-hmm. You kind of get into that thing. Um, it's like we're you're trying to battle. Uh, now I got Pacific Rim in on this. Yeah, you're kind of like battling the the oversized version, but also the people themselves. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, I, I think that that would be just a super fun series. It could be any animal, really, uh, that you could do. It, it could be lizards or, or moths or ducks, and you just call it the, the mighty, <laughs> mighty, mighty Joe Ducks, probably. Mighty Joe yeah. Ducks. Oh, yeah. And I also, honestly, largely just with the Clifford the Big Red Dog connection, I'd love to see this animated. I would love to see oh, yeah. you have Jill Young younger. Uh, and it's just like, I got a giant gorilla as a pet. And then it's just like teaching Joe about the world. So really, I'm just like, if they took Curious George, but made him the size of Clifford, um, you're welcome, PBS. There's your I next see. slate for original programming. Oh, we missed it in headcanon that Clifford, <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog, Curious George are the parents of <laughs> Mighty Joe Young. Which is real dark then, because we know what happens to Joe's parents. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, that well, mm. he, the reason why we didn't have that in headcanon because it's just fact. We all know uh, that that's just how it happens. Yeah, just true. Yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I think my uh, my only other recast remake would be I, I would love to see this, but the game. Um, or maybe I'm yeah, just so describing that, Rampage because I was just about to say like, oh. I would just love to see Joe like go through the city and like destroy stuff. <laughs> and I don't know why a wolf came to mind, but then I realized it was Rampage. So yeah, I, I think we're due for a new Rampage game. Maybe just unrelated to this recast remake. Make them gray. Yeah. Mighty Joe old. <laughs> I Yeah, no, I think the game really is the more successful property. We We've talked about, you know, movies that probably just should have been games like in time would yeah. have been an incredible oh, game. Oh gosh. Yes. Um this is very similar. And I think if you if you don't want to lose the the messaging of it, you can it, it would basically be like sim conservation. Right. <laughs> so that's a little bit what the Jurassic Park game that recently came out was like, where you're building the theme park. I think you could mm-hmm. build the habitat for yeah. Joe and other animals at the same time. And then trying to keep the poachers out. I mean, it's an opportunity to really drive home that messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be the more interactive way to get that uh, across. Um, so yeah, that was all I had for the for the remaking for the recast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so much of the human side of this story because the core connection is between Jill and Joe. Right. But the human connection of the Charlize Theron, Bill Paxton side, I recast uh, to just make it another Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper team up. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. So yeah. sort of in there. But then Naveen Andrews got me thinking on the lost path. And I was mm. like, oh, man, Josh Holloway is good recasting for for Bill Paxton uh, if they ever need to need to do that. Oh, so. yeah, that is good. Yeah. And I, I honestly would love to see a sequel uh, with Charlize Theron returning as Jill. Um, and... I mean, th- this will have to be years later. It may be um, Joe is also immortal. Uh, maybe that's just his he, his extra gene of like, oh, turns out Joe is also going to rule us all or something like that. I don't know. Oh, he's he's Immortan Joe <laughs> from Fury Road. He shrinks yep. as he gets older. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I, I just love to see that property uh get some more love maybe as a limited series of like mighty joe young colon back in the habitat <laughs> that's an early lunch everybody oh, uh, early lunch early lunch early lunch early lunch All right. yep that is fantastic I'm feeling like a quiznos kind of day <laughs> oh man now i legitimately want quiznos not a sponsor <laughs> um that is great all right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Mighty Joe Young? I recommend Mighty Joe Young because it does have a still relevant message about conservation, um, protecting animals, uh, eliminating poaching, uh, and really taking it down for the crime that it is. Uh, on the film enjoyment side, I recommend it mainly for the third act. It is an action-packed third act, and what I like about it is it is it's almost like a monster movie without a monster Mm. so you're you're chasing down joe for the purpose of protecting him he's not really trying to destroy the city at all he's trying to protect the the kid in the ferris wheel all that and it what i enjoy about this is it's always that maddening moment in those movies where like the authority figures just won't listen Mm -hmm. um and they're like fire anyway because i like the fire like that kind of thing but what i like about it is in this the 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 officer sees what is happening and then like tells everyone to stand down in time so it avoids a lot of those really infuriating tropes of these types of movies um while still maintaining the action like that scene that scene uh santa monica pier or or palisades ocean park where uh like the the main bad guy fires the shot and it starts the fire and then the ferris wheel like there's a lot of action to that and even before that when joe flips the semi like that is a very (laughs) convincing semi flip oh you say that uh I was like, oh, it's like Dark Knight, but sideways. Um, but it is, uh, I, I think, really action-packed for that last third. The first two-thirds, they they have to get you on board with the relationships of these characters. And I think they do that, too. Like, you you care about Joe. You want him to be safe. Um, and they, while still maintaining like, their rating, show you the villainy of uh, of these poachers. So um, that is ultimately what I think is at the heart of this. It's it's about protecting 
uh, you know, those under your responsibility. It's, it's about protecting nature um, and about connections. Uh, a, a basically non-traditional family here of uh, Jill and Joe. They both lose their families and then create a new one together. And I think that bond between uh, humans and animals is a really special one. And I, I enjoy the way that they explore it in this film. So for all those reasons, I recommend Mighty Joe Young. Yeah, I, I I love all those reasons. And and I'd also recommend this movie just for one of the lost art techniques of utilizing animatronics and miniatures. Because mm. some of the fun in watching this movie is like, okay, but like, how did they pull off this shot? Like, how did they do this? Because there's several scenes where I'm like, I'm just like trying to see where the threads are. I'm just like, okay, great. So Joe just moved that car. How did they do that? Um, and I want I and it's really just a really cool um, study on you know non digital alterations, um, or even if they are using digital, like how like how impressively they cover the seams because i feel like nowadays with most movies um like a, a kong versus godzilla you just know like okay great several animators spent several hours and maybe even years working on achieving these looks uh even if they had some motion capture or anything like that you, you your brain is just filling in those gaps with like okay great cgi you still believe it but like you, you're not thinking of it past that but with this it kind of takes some more work to achieve this effect i'm like okay so like how many humans are inside of that giant gorilla suit or like how much of that is machine and like how are they operating this and it's just it's really really cool to see how they make this um giant gorilla believably there uh and not just like look like a, a puppet on strings. So I, yeah. I I recommend it for that, but also just for the 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 really solid story about protection and loss. And um honestly, and I'm just coming to this conclusion now, it's like it's like a Batman story, but with Robin there from the beginning almost. Mm. Uh Two people oh, lose their parents, uh, and they protect each other, um, and there's a giant spotlight being shot into the sky, and that's as far as I'm going with the connection. <laughs> well, now I just want to see, uh, like, Batman, the story told, but they're represented by animals, kind of like a like an anthropomorphic like Disney adaptation. I oh, yeah. Be. So, like, if Batman is a Batman... Which you know, yeah, sometimes like man bat and all that, but uh, like if Joker's a hyena, oh yeah, we're we're getting onto something else, but we yeah, we're we're getting we, onto we, we'll, we'll 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 build it out. It, it, it's all right. We'll we'll develop it. Yeah. The ACU, the Animal Cinematic Universe. Zaz is like a naked uh, mole rat or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But yeah, so that is why I recommend my Joe Young. And what would Robin be? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our review of the 1998 movie Mighty Joe Young. Let us know what you remember about Mighty Joe Young on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us. Uh, like, it would mean like as, as, as big as like a 2,000 pound gorilla's uh, worth 
of meaning. That's how much it would mean to us. Uh, if you could leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, it helps to amplify the podcast. Let's uh, let's uh, out a giant roar, a digital roar, if you will, that this mm-hmm. podcast is worth listening to. Uh, so on a scale, that's of, more impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so on a scale of one to five, I'd say. Um, I'd say keychains. Keych. Oh yeah, those uh, those poacher chains. Yeah, yeah I was thinking. I was, well, those are bad, right? Like, we oh don't yeah, want, you're right. We don't want five of those. We don't want five so of what those. about banana towers? <laughs> I'll take. They're what not looking at you. They're looking at this t- banana yeah. tower. Yeah, five banana, banana towers. <laughs> yeah, we don't need the jingle jangle of guy with too many keys. Yeah, which I have to assume is taken from real life. Like that. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, if not, what a bizarre choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, show show us some banana towers. Yeah. That was alternate uh Tom Cruise revision here. <laughs> show me the banana towers. Show me the banana towers. Is he saying show me the monkey? What is he? And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Mike Joe Guire. <laughs>Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Thunder Force making its way to streaming, starring Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer, the forecast shows that we might be getting a little bit of a meteor shower with the 1993 movie Meteor Man, starring Robert Townsend and pretty much everyone else. And the rest. (laughs) 